BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome to our program. Tom Hartman here with you. There's so much going on we're going to get into today. This political calculus that is being discussed across the board. Uh, There's an interesting piece in the Axios newsletter pointing out that since Elizabeth Warren came out with how she was going to pay for her Medicare for All plan, roughly 70% of all the news coverage of that proposal to pay for Medicare for all from Elizabeth Warren, roughly 70% of all the coverage has been negative. And it's been negative for fairly obvious reasons. I mean, you know, uh, apparently from my Twitter feed this morning, I didn't watch it in Morning Joe, but Carol, one of our regular tweeters, noted that basically they spent a lot of time attacking Elizabeth Warren and Medicare for all. There's three kinds of thought on this. And I'd love to hear your take on these three positions. One position is basically the Joe Biden position. Everything's good, and let's just strengthen Obamacare. And, you know, we can have a conversation about a public option, but let's let's just strengthen Obamacare and take it back so it covers everybody in the country. The second is more kind of Pete Buttigieg's thing, which is uh, let's have a public option. You can have Medicare if you want it. Otherwise, you can buy, you know, health insurance from Aetna or Blue Cross Blue Shield. Up to you. And then the third thinking on this is Bernie and Elizabeth Warren's uh, position that Medicare should cover every citizen in the United States. And if people want to buy supplemental policies that, you know, do more than Medicare does, you know, that that maybe cover things like cosmetic surgery or something like that, fine. But basically, we're going to do away with insurance for basic stuff, you know, for the core stuff. For the doctor's visits and hospital, you know, normal hospitalizations and all that kind of stuff and replace it with a single payer system. But then there's this nuance between Bernie and Elizabeth. And that is, or between Warren and Sanders, I should say, be more respectful here. And that is that Senator Sanders is coming right out and saying, yes, uh, everybody's taxes are going to go up slightly. But the cost that you're paying for your health insurance is going to go down, not just the insurance itself, but also your co-pays are going to go to zero. Your deductibles are going to go to zero. You're going to now get your eyes and teeth fixed as part of Medicare. So those costs go to zero, which are out of pocket right now. Mental health would go to zero, all those things. And therefore, you know, the average person, even though they're paying slightly more in taxes, will be paying slightly less overall. That's what Bernie's saying. And people are congratulating him for being basically upfront and honest about that. And so, you know, basically Bernie is making the bet 
that Americans would like to have a European-style social welfare state, and they're willing to pay European-style taxes for it. Elizabeth Warren is making the bet that if you say, yes, I'm going to raise taxes on working-class people, you're dead in the water politically. And therefore, she's come up with a way of funding it that doesn't raise taxes on working-class people. And to do that, she had to jump through some weird hoops, you know, for, you know, saying to employers, if you have full-time employees, then you have to pay a per-head tax for those employees and, and all this kind of stuff. But hers is, is fairly complex. I mean, it, in some ways, it's, it's fairly straightforward. But the bottom line is that she says, we're not going to raise taxes on working-class people. Your taxes only go up if you're making over about 200 grand a year. And, the, you know, it's going to be funded through things like an employer mandate, essentially. One of the criticisms of Warren's plan is that, you know, employers will figure out a way to game the system. And I have no doubt that that's true, and I have no doubt that both of these plans are going to be subject to a lot of change and a lot of, uh, you know, debate and discussion and analysis if either of these two people was elected president and they were able to get these plans before Congress. Just like President Obama started out being in favor of single-payer health care, that was his campaign position when he first started running for president, when he was, you know, Senator Obama from Illinois, and then ended up with the Affordable Care Act, which is not Medicare for all. And even with the Affordable Care Act, he argued strongly that there should be a public option, the Buttigieg position, but wasn't able to pull it off because there were enough Democrats in Congress who were taking money from the health insurance companies that they wouldn't go along with the public option. So, you know, the question is, I guess the big question is, if you're a supporter of Medicare for all, do you think that the average American is willing to say, yeah, I'd be glad to pay more taxes in order to have Medicare for all? Or do, does it have to be funded in a way that the average American doesn't perceive any tax increase? In other words, which of these is more likely to be a successful sales pitch to the American people? Yes, your taxes are going to go up, but your overall expenses are going to go down, so you'll be ahead of the game. That's Bernie's position. Or Elizabeth Warren's, we can pull this off without your taxes going up at all. Mark in Sio, Oregon. Sio, yes. Sio. That's yeah. a town I don't know where it is. Yeah. Where are you? Out by say, you know, twenty miles west of Salem. Okay. Out by Staten. I get it. Okay. But, well, so what's on yeah, your mind? Okay, I was wondering why nobody ever mentioned the fact that before Reagan, we actually had affordable health care. Yeah. I remember going to the doctor for twenty dollars. Yeah, me too. And that was, you know, before Reagan, health care, and this, I thought this was a Michigan state law, but it turns out it was federal law. Before Reagan, hospitals and insurance companies, by and large, were required to be not profit that, uh, yeah. entities. And therefore, they were run yeah. for the benefit of their customers rather than the benefit of their shareholders and their executives. Yeah. And Reagan you know, talked us into these HMOs, and yep. people don't realize that the insurance companies are the ones that are driving all the cost up mm-hmm. because if it's so outrageous to pay for these things, you're forced to get insurance. Yeah. So they, they, you know, that's why they'll pay $10 for an aspirin or, you know, a lot of these pharmaceuticals come up with some big 
name of, you know, aspirin and Tylenol and all this. And they give you some prescription for three or $400 instead of, you know, the doctor saying, you know, it used to be the doctor would say, go buy a bottle of aspirin yeah. or, no, I, or I, buy I get a it, Mark. Tylenol. I, I, I get it. And, and the problem is the, the for-profit model. It really is. Mark, thank you for the call. Paul in Woodenville. Hey, Paul, what's up? Yeah, Tom, the question that everyone has to address, whether it's Senator Sanders or Senator Warren or Buttigieg, is this. Our current health care bill as a nation collectively is now over $4 trillion. Thank you. And I, I'm, going, I'm going to give you my references. We, we are at 19% of GDP, our health care costs, and as our GDP has, cl- has crossed $20 trillion, 19% of $20 trillion is 38 This I got from Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel. He's the brother of Rahm Emanuel. He's in his book called Reinventing the American Healthcare System from 2014. Right. He said that's what it is, and I have that, had that confirmed by a, a hospital CEO in the Seattle area at Overlake Hospital, came to talk to our Kiwanis. I asked him that. He said, yep, it's 19% of GDP. And Emanuel, Zach, Zach Emanuel says that we are growing since 1970 at 2% of GDP on top of that. So as at 20 trillion GDP, add another $400 billion per year. For 2020, we are well over $4 trillion. And if you think about it, that is the size of our entire federal budget, $4 trillion plus. And not only 2% of GDP, but $400 billion is 10% of $4 trillion. So now our national health care bill is growing annually by 10%. At a minimum, you're seeing that in your premiums. My mom's uh, Medigap, uh, you know, Blue Cross in Michigan, increased by 100%. It wow. doubled wow. this year. So I don't, what, what the candidates have to address, if you don't like Medicare for all, you better explain how you're going to control these costs because right. it is going to outpace not only our federal budget, it's going to get to the point where we can't fund anything else. And that's where single payer is so efficient because it is a literally a single payer. So you can negotiate for drugs, you can negotiate for surgery, you can negotiate hospital stays, you know, you're buying 100,000 hospital beds a week or whatever it may be. All of those things then become negotiable and we all benefit from that. Paul, thank you. Thank you for the call and thanks for the factoids. I needed that. Anyhow, we've been talking about Medicare for all and, you know, Elizabeth Warren's bet that you can't raise taxes on middle class people or they won't vote for you versus Bernie's bet that, you know, people are smart enough to figure out that, yes, you know, my taxes might go up a thousand dollars a year. My medical expenses are going to go down two thousand dollars a year. I end up ahead. I don't care what you call it. Jeremy in Van Nuys, California. Hey, Jeremy, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's up? Yeah, so the thing that I'm thinking about with Medicare for All and with the public option, mm-hmm. I think that what we learned from Obamacare, if we don't make it so that doctors need to take, or in essence forced to take, Medicare for All and or a public option, they might step away from it. And... That could kill the whole thing off the knees, you know? Like, yeah, that's, that's the point. As long as there's a robust for-profit health insurance market, the next step that these health insurance companies will take is they'll start saying to doctors, we'll raise your payment rates, but you've got to refuse to take Medicare patients. And that yeah. will then kill off Medicare. And there will be some, I mean, there's doctors right now who refuse to take Medicare. And I, you know, I don't think it's because they're being spiffed by the health insurance companies, but they could even get explicit about it. 
And that's that's an argument against the public option thing, against the thing that uh, Pete Buttigieg is promoting. So, and I think that if you don't safeguard against that, then it almost kills it instantly. Yeah, I think you may be right, and that's my concern. Jeremy, thank you for the call. Pam in Chicago listening to WCPT. Hey, Pam. Hi, Tom. I support Elizabeth Warren's plan. I could go with Bernie. And I really want to see detailed numbers because I don't want to believe that Elizabeth Warren would just say she wouldn't tax the middle class. I just don't want to believe that that would be just an out-and-out untrue. You know, so I really believe that she's done the numbers. But, Tom, she's brought up other points. She talked about the private insurance companies. I don't think they could coexist because they're in it for the profit and the greed. If they make their money from saying no, Tom, then that answers the question right there. Also, what happens when you're diagnosed with cancer or some other ailment and the insurance company wants to drop you? See, I'm listening to what she's saying. She said she's talked to people, Tom, all over. There is nobody who is so in love with their plan. They love their physicians, their, you know, OBGYN, their pediatrician, right? right? Or their specialist, or even their primary care physician. So I know that some of physicians buy into a Medicare for all or some type of universal plan. So I'm asking, address the insurance company saying no to you or dropping you. And right. lastly, Tom, the United Auto Works, when striking, the insurance, the companies, the corporations, stop paying for the medical insurance, the health coverage insurance. Yep. So how can unions be so gunho about private insurance when your employer can drop it if you decide to strike? Right, and essentially use it as a weapon, which is what they did in this, in this GM strike. You're absolutely right, Pam. Absolutely. Excellent points all, and Medicare for All would solve all of those issues. And not only that, doesn't it cover vision and some of the other, you know, mental health yeah. that private insurance companies won't even cut? Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan, Pam. Pam, thank you very much. Joe in Countersport, Pennsylvania. Hey, Joe, what's up? Hey, Tom, a couple things. I'm listening every day to the... Uh, Republican representatives and congressmen talking about unmasking the whistleblower. And just recently, this, uh, what was her name, Christine uh, Blasey Ford, that uh, had to, to go around with uh, Kavanaugh. Right. To this day, she can't live in her residence. That's right. She's still getting death threats. She, yep. has, to, she has to live in a, a secret location. And all these Republicans are saying that if they unmask him, it may affect his employment or her, you know, or his or, right. or her employment. It could affect their life, really. And the other thing I wanted to comment on was uh, I'm for Bernie's plan. I retired from a company that's based in Germany. I spent a lot of time in Germany. The people over there love their health care. Right. Everything, everything is covered. We can't break it up where some people have private and some people have government sponsors. So the question, Joe, that I'm asking, let's agree that Medicare for all is a good thing for our country. So the question is, when you're trying to sell it to the American people as part of a political campaign running for president, do you sell it as, yes, everybody's taxes are going to go up somewhat, but you're going to save money in the long run. Uh, you're going to you're going to make that back by having a decreased cost of insurance, no more co-pays, no more, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we'll cover your vision and dental and all that stuff. Do you do you do that, which is Bernie's sales pitch? Or do you say, uh, yeah, we can do this without raising taxes on working people, which is Elizabeth Warren's sales pitch? Yeah, I, seriously, I, I'd go with Bernie's. 
Yeah. But another thing that the Democrats aren't doing, you know, they come out and they say how many, the, the Republicans come out and say how many trillions of dollars this is going to cost over 10 years or whatever. Right. They got the facts on it. What they got to tell them is how much is it going to cost us more than that if we stay where things are today? Right. And it'll be 10 to 20 trillion dollars more over a decade if we, we just keep things as they are. We emphasize this. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy, I'll tell you. But people need to be, somehow, they need, maybe they need to get some people from Europe over here that, that do have single pair. Get well, you know, Bernie took a bunch of uh, took a bunch of reporters and a small congressional yeah, delegation Canada, to yeah. Denmark, as I recall. Or Denmark, yeah. And uh, it got no coverage in the media here. And you right. know, keep in mind who is giving the most money right now to MSNBC, CNN, and other news agencies. Absolutely, it's the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, look at all these ads on TV. We're one of only two countries in the world that allows drug yeah. companies to advertise on television, and they are pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into these television networks. So of course the television networks are, are gonna you know, take their side on this. Joe, thank you for the call. Les in Winnemucca, Nevada. Hey, Les, what's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I watched a billionaire on TV last night crying because he was afraid Elizabeth Warren was gonna raise his taxes. Seriously? Okay? And, and I thought to myself, I thought, how much of this rich guy's money actually comes from the U.S. government? Because all these rich people, whether they're in aeronautics industry or pharmaceutical or whatever industry they're in, they make a large percentage of their money off of the government. Mm -hmm. I'm on Social Security. Every time I go to my favorite pub and buy a beer, that money came from the government to well, them. Arguably, That's it came from you indirectly, is. but yeah. yeah. No, I get, you, I, I, get, I get your point. And also, you know, a lot of these rich people are benefiting from government programs like copyright laws and trademark laws that give them monopolies on the things that they produce and that have been extended now, you know, because of Mickey Mouse and Disney, by and large, uh, you know, for really, really long periods of time. I live in government subsidized housing that they're getting rich off of. Well, yeah, and, and, and not only that, there's all kinds of, and Les, thanks for the call. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that wealthy people can invest. It turns out that, you know, a, a bunch of Trump's buddies are making money off low-income housing, and they're getting all these subsidies from the federal government. You look at, you know, $300 billion in, in subsidies just to the fossil fuel industry. People are always asking me, is the X chair really as comfortable as you say? And my answer is always yes. In fact, I probably don't do a good enough job describing just how great that chair feels, so, or this chair. So take my advice, get one and feel it for yourself. Thanks to the X chair's 30-day, no questions asked, guarantee of complete satisfaction. You have no risk. So if you're wondering if what I say is true, try it for yourself. Once you feel the X chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar support, their DVL, you'll understand exactly why I love my X chair so much. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and increase your productivity with the right model for you, the X-Basic or X1 through X4. The X-Chair can fit your body and your budget. X-Chair is now on sale for $100 off. Just go to xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. Go to xchair.com now and use the code WHEELS and you'll receive a free set of the new X-Wheels with your X-Chair. xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR.
Leonard in Sugar City, Colorado. Hey, Leonard, what's on your mind today? Morning, Tom. Um, my doctor recommended a book called The China Study. It's written by Keith Colin Campbell. He's a doctor, and he made three assertions. Number one, the United States has the highest cost per individual for medic, uh, medical service in the world. Mm-hmm. Number two, there's only three countries in the top 30, 35 economies that do not have a national medical system. I think he said Greece, Poland, and the United States. Right, and Greece did, and, by the way, before the big austerity thing, before they went down in flames. That was one of the things that yeah. got killed. Yeah, but the, well, like, there's only two countries, in the, in the, uh, three countries that don't have it. I mean, that's yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Anyways, I appreciate you giving out those figures uh, that you gave. Maybe we could bring that up more often and compare our medical systems to those in the rest of the world yeah. and the cost. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. you. I'm with you. I mean, you know, we spend more than twice as much per person on health care than literally any other country in the world. And we have some of the worst outcomes among the OECD countries, among the the most developed countries, particularly with regard to maternal mortality and child mortality, uh, infant mortality. We're at the very bottom. In fact, we're down there with with countries that are just like in deep, deep poverty. And it's it's a combination of a profoundly, deeply ripped off dysfunctional healthcare system that's riddled with con men and hucksters, banksters calling themselves insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies just ripping us off left and right, and for-profit hospitals, you know, that are just as bad as for-profit schools now. It's a combination of that and the fact that, you know, our social safety net is so close to the ground that if you fall into it, the net just kind of hits the ground and, and you get bruised, you get hurt. You could even, you know, break your bones, as it were, to torture the metaphor. And we've got to deal with both these things. Leonard, thank you for the call. Well said. John and, and uh, Gary, Indiana. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Hello, Tom. Long-time listener. Thank you for all that you do. I was listening to your rant, as it were, on Donald Dorch's comments and the Danish millionaire. And the question came to mind. If the United States were more homogenous, how much resistance would there be to there being a significant uh, safety net for American citizens? In other words, to what extent is the Republican opposition to expanding the social safety net, Medicare, Social Security, Medicaid, things like that, um, to, to what extent is that Republican opposition or conservative opposition, let's say, because there's some Democrats in that field, too, uh, although very few of them. But to what extent is that driven by racism? That's the essence of your question. Yes. Yeah. I think it's substantial. I really do. And that's, you know, a very, very sad commentary on the United States. And, you know, and, but our country was founded in racism. It was founded in genocide, the genocide of Native Americans. Christopher Columbus discovered a country that was already occupied, and that racism was built into our Constitution. It's been built into our laws. It's been ratified by the Supreme Court over and over and over again. Most recently, when John Roberts and four other conservatives on the U.S. Supreme Court said that, you know, we don't even need the Voting Rights Act anymore because, after all, everything's good now, right? Which I think code for the white people are firmly in control. So. John, I think you raise a good and important point, and I thank you for doing so. Gordon in Sherman Oaks, California. Hey, Gordon, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's up? Hey, Tom. 
So I worked for 35 years in the movie business and my union negotiated my health benefits uh, with the uh, employers. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering why, with Bernie's plan, why I would vote for Bernie and give up something that I actually worked for. It wasn't something they gave me. And I worked for that for 35 years and it covers me until I die and my wife. So I really like Bernie, but I'm not thinking that I want because to Medicare for up. all will cover you right now and for the rest of your life until the day you die. Also, and in fact, it won't be offered by a for-profit health insurance company that literally has an army of people coming through every single claim looking for things to deny. You will have better coverage. You'd have more comprehensive coverage. You're not losing health insurance coverage. You're actually gaining health insurance coverage. You're, you're gaining a better and more comprehensive health insurance coverage. And your company can no longer use it as a club over you. And your company can't do like United Airlines did and like Eastern Airlines did and so many other companies did back in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s where you know they'll go through a bankruptcy or a reorganization or a sale or a merger and suddenly they say all our contracts with all our employees are void. Those insurance policies that they negotiated for years and years. We're going to throw out the window. We're going to steal their pension money. I mean, this is an old trick, Gordon. And by moving all of this into the federal government, where it's administered like Social Security and Medicare are right now, you will be free to go to work anywhere you want or to to stay where you are until until your retirement. I don't get your objection. Well, uh, yes. uh, And, you know, and I have lived in in a society where there is socialized medicine. And it's not 100%. They're not always quite as good as the medicine that I've received here over the if years. If you're talking about uh, Australia, I do, I do agree you know, I've, I've used your, the health care system in Australia. Actually, it's, it was it's, England, it's, Tom. <laughs> yeah, okay, England, all right. Well, nobody is proposing a British-style health care system here in the United States. That's socialized medicine in the United Kingdom. The doctors work for the government. The hospitals are owned by the government. What's being proposed here is a single-payer health care system, which is more like what Australia has, and more like, you know, Mm -hmm. what most of the Scandinavian countries have, which covers you from from birth till death and, and even before birth, you know, like very good prenatal care. And, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, that's it. And, and this, this, I think this, this argument that, you know, oh, gee, I negotiated a great plan uh, or my union negotiated a great plan. I want to keep it. It's like, OK, so through a lot of your own hard work and your union's hard work, you finally got something when you had nothing. You finally got some health insurance. But the company is going to be skimming 20 percent off the top and putting it in the pocket of their CEOs and their senior executives and their and their shareholders as dividends. And so you're going to get, you know, 80 percent of something. And that's something it comes with absolutely no guarantee. Your employer will say, yes, I negotiated this. Your union will say, yes, we negotiated this. But wait until next year when that short term negotiation is over. No union can negotiate for the rest of your life. So, you know, it just I, I, I don't get it. CBD oil has got a lot of uses and a lot of people are discovering the benefits of it, including me. New Leaf Naturals is the CBD oil we're using. CBD oil It doesn't get you high, so you get the benefits of medical marijuana without the marijuana. The CBD is made from hemp. It's non-toxic and has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. The brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals, NU Leaf Naturals, the highest quality CBD oil on the market, 100% organic, highly concentrated, no additional additives, grown right here in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp, so it remains in its most pure and simple form, and it's legal all across the country. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's N-U-Leafnaturals.com, and save 30% off 
and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to NULeafNaturals.com for premium cannabinoid wellness. There's only one place, NULeafNaturals.com. Grown right here in the USA, NULeafNaturals.com, code TOM. That's NULeafNaturals.com. Welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you and uh, Catherine in Baltimore, Maryland. Hey, Catherine, what's on your mind today? What's okay. Up? Both Senator Warren and Senator Sanders' plans on Medicare for All are definitely the best two that are out there. But I like Elizabeth Warren's. I read it, and it's five pages long. And I like the fact that one of the things that the Republicans were pushing and Buttigieg was pushing was that it would be great for business because they wouldn't have to pay for plans for their employees anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just said, no, Bernie and, and Elizabeth have been, you know, saying we're going to stop this income inequality and all the corporations and rich people, you know, getting away scot-free. So I like her plan, and uh, it really seems to address that for me. Yeah. Okay, cool. Catherine, thank you very much for that. I appreciate the feedback. Dave in Buffalo, New York. Hey, Dave, what's up? Oh, Tom, thank you, sir. The Bernie or Elizabeth Warren's plan, Medicare for All, is going to be demonized by the corporate media and the 1% either way. So it's going to be an uphill battle because around every corner is peak. And uh, that's what they're pumping now. Uh, Elizabeth is old news, and uh, they, uh, uh, I don't remember that being old news because they're still talking about Biden trying to win. Uh, so, but around every corner is Pete. And then uh, what, what I like about Elizabeth's plan is that the Americans have been screwed over for so long, for so many decades, that to offer us a plan does it, that doesn't really cut into our value. What, 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 what we have, uh, to, to, uh, minimum wage hasn't gone up since the 70s. It should be over $22 an hour. Think of all the raping of money from the American worker and society that they've taken from us. And they're, and they're saying, we want 15. We really want 22. We, we really want our, uh, our Medicare paid for by the rich. They have taken billions and trillions from us through through corporate uh, giveaways and 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 just everything in general. And I think it's time for the American people to get what they deserve, and that's a fair shake. We're not asking for a handout or a hand up. We just want a fair handshake, and I think Elizabeth Warren offers us that. There you go. Dave, thank you for the call. I think both both Warren and Sanders offer that. Uh, Jacob in Baltimore, Maryland. Hey, Jacob, your thoughts? Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think that um, I, I think it was very brave for Elizabeth Warren to uh, come out with a specific attempt uh, to pay for Medicare for all. I'm not sure if overall it was the best move politically because I think it ties her hands a little bit in terms of just committing to this one version. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that's a little bit um, just politically a little bit problematic. And then the other major problem is I, I feel like it's playing semantics to say that there is no tax increase. I mean, an employer head tax is going to be passed on to the employees. Well, what um, she's saying is that basically employers of- who are already paying, you know, if, 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 if employers who are already paying for health insurance, like I am, I mean, you know, we, we write a check every month to Blue Cross for health insurance you know, for Sean and Nate. 
or whatever the company is. I, we've changed a couple times over the years, um, and and uh, you know that the, 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 they'll simply be writing that same check, only they'll be writing it to Medicare now. That's what she said. Right. That's called maintenance of effort, right? But what I'm saying is to say that a head tax is not a tax on employees, it's an indirect tax. But we know that indirect tax. Well, corporations are have been making this argument still, forever, Jacob, and the, and and it's well, well debunked. I'm it's regressive. No, no, it's, it is well is debunked. Corporations, you know, there's a if a corporation is paying a tax, they can they can cover that by by uh, raising the price of their goods or by screwing their employees. Those are the only two things that Republicans and conservatives ever mention. But the fact of the matter is that the majority of the time, when co when companies are facing you know higher tax events, what they do is they lower dividends or they stabilize a compensation for their senior most employees. I mean that uh, I don't I haven't looked into that myself, so I'll take your word. Yeah, on look it. at but my more problem is with the head tax as opposed to um, a payroll tax, is that this, is, this acts regressively. If you have 100 people at a company and you're paying them all minimum wage, they're going to have to pay the same amount per person for that uh, health care as somebody whose average employee you know, payments are you know, $300,000 a year. And so ultimately, a larger percentage, this is well, a we, we don't, way of We don't know specifically, things. Jacob, but yes, that's one of the critiques. Just by the nature of how, but just by the nature of how that works, you play a fat No, not necessarily. Rate, I mean, it, 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 Medicare right now, if, if you're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and you're on Medicare, you're, you're going to be paying five, six hundred dollars a month for Medicare. If you're making thirty thousand dollars a year and you're on Medicare, you're working after the age of 65 and you're on Medicare, you're going to be paying 150 bucks a month for Medicare. Medicare right now scales the monthly charge that they, you know, the, that they charge you for that monthly health insurance to your income. And so, I, you know, I don't know why this would be any different with regard to employers. I, you know, I get it that the, that's one of the critiques. And in fact, there's a piece over on Common Dreams right now criticizing Warren's plan, saying, well, it's just a head tax and therefore it's super regressive. Um, a, I don't get that. I don't, I don't agree with that. And B, this is the opening salvo for a discussion. And which raises another question. I mean, I don't recall specifically how Barack Obama sold the Affordable Care Act or, you know, I, my recollection is that when he was running for president, it wasn't the Affordable Care Act. It was single-payer health care, although maybe he morphed into, you know, insurance for all. But I think basically what we ended up with with the Affordable Care Act was the plan that Hillary Clinton was running on in the primary um, in 2008. And the, uh, so, you know, Obama took Hillary's plan, and, and Obama had been running on single-payer. So, you know, this is all subject to change pretty radically, I think. Brent in Kansas City, Missouri. Hey, Brent, what's up? Brent. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say the uh, option between Bernie and Sanders to me is pretty, or uh, Bernie and Warren are, is pretty easy. Uh, the guy has been talking about it for 40 years versus somebody who wasn't even about it that long ago. Her uh, private, or her head tax, has it, her plan has too many outs like you can as an employer you can say i have uh, no employees i just have contractors and then i'll give you an example well, of employers how you do that right now it. and and pretty and that's yes. and that's where you you know we just need to enforce the law because the you know the affordable care act and i believe laws prior to that require employers who have employees you know who work more than 30 hours a week to have a certain level of benefits and, and uh, you know, which is a full-time employee. I mean, that's how we're defining a full-time employee is more than 30 hours a week. So, so yeah, maybe that can happen. So the, the, the question isn't, 
you know, who's, who's the noble candidate and who's not. The question is, uh, you know, will Americans, the question that I'm posing is, will Americans be more willing to vote for a candidate who says, I'm not going to raise your taxes and I'm going to give you health insurance, which is uh, Warren, versus Sanders who's saying, I am going to raise your taxes, but your overall expenses are going to go down. And uh, but but I'm going to call it what it is, a, a tax. Yes. And I agree with you because I hung out with Republicans not that long ago. And one of them was telling me he's tired of paying a thousand dollars a month for insurance for him, his wife and his child. He's a small business owner. Right. And I said, that doesn't include your out of pocket expenses. He said, no. So I said, you spend 15 grand a year easy on health insurance. And he said, easy. And I said, if your taxes go up $5,000, you save 10. If your taxes go up $10,000, you save five. And he looked at me and he's like, wow, I never really thought of it that way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, and, and, and that's the question. I mean, he never thought of it that way. Um, and that's the bet that Elizabeth Warren is making is that most Americans don't think about it that way. And our media is not going to tell them to think about it that way. Our media is going to be doing everything they can to protect all the advertising dollars that they're getting right now from health insurance companies selling privatized Medicare plans and from drug companies who are both benefiting hugely from the from the from the fact that Medicare for all doesn't exist in this country. They will both they will both they will both be harmed by Medicare for all, at least in terms of their massive profitability. So Brent, thanks for the call. Brian in Tacoma, Washington. Hey Brian, you're on the air. Hi, I'm with uh, Elizabeth Warren's plan. I wish I could say that I thought the country was savvy enough to understand the nuances Bernie is telling them. But, A, I don't think enough people are savvy enough to understand that, that they'll be better off overall, and they'll just see that their taxes are going up. And then, secondly, there's also a decent amount of people who are savvy enough, but they think, well, my taxes will go up, but I've been burned before on health care, getting, us getting a handle on it, and that won't go down. So right. they'll be skeptical. I think one so of the I'm points the that the Axios thing made that since, since Warren rolled out her plan, from some polls, her popularity has dropped by seven points relative to Joe Biden. And, you know, the speculation is that, you know, she's now the one who is under fire for, I'm going to raise your taxes kind of stuff. And, you know, I guess the secondary question is, are the American people smart enough to figure out that this single payer system, which ever, pretty much every other developed country in the world has or has some variation of, is going to save them money no matter what you call it? I'm not certain that the American people are, are smart enough or well-informed enough. Smart enough is probably the wrong, but well-informed enough, particularly savvy, given the state savvy, of our media. Savvy enough, I guess. Yeah, I savvy. Say. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> to, one. To be polite, but I agree with you. I just People don't look at it that way. They think, how much do I have right now? Right. That's what people think. Yeah, you know? there you go. And the taxes that, yeah, so anyway, yeah. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Yep. Joe in Cupertino, California. Hey, Joe, what's up? Hey, Tom. I'm confused. I'm a little upset because of the fact that she's offering a plan that's different than what Medicare for All was supposed to be. But let's just, first of all, explain that it's not really Medicare for All. It's Medicaid for All because Medicare is such a limited 20%. And I think Bernie needs to come out and explain exactly that. But I'm not sure. On except the that, except that. here's the problem with that, Joe, twofold. Number one, Medicaid is associated in most people's minds with poor people's insurance. And number two, when you ask you know, uh, people who are over 65 if they like their Medicare, almost universally they say, I absolutely love it. 
and it's the you know it's, it, it, Medicare and the VA are the two most beloved healthcare systems in the United States. So switching to, from saying Medicare to all to saying Medicaid for all is going to produce, I think, a, you know, a, a ton of screams of, oh, it's a bait and switch. Okay. You know, you want us to have the poor people's yeah. insurance. I get what you're well, saying, though, because Medicaid does cover everything, and Medicare's got that 20% hole in it. But they're right. just saying, we're going to do Medicare, and we're going to fill that hole. Anyhow, back to you, Joe. My, but my question is, right now on the House floor is H.R. 1384. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that's more of like an explanation of benefits that they're offering. And both Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are not so specific are are very specific in what they'd like to do this bill is actually being considered or should be considered as the blueprint and i'm not sure if bernie's plan is exactly hr 1384 but i know elizabeth's not because you can't have the employer involved if you're going to get insurance is the problem insurance companies are the problem but the employers pay them so the employer cannot be involved in this transaction. It's a agreement between us as a society and the people. Well, what Warren is simply saying is, and, and, and so is Sanders to some extent, is that um, an employer who has full-time employees has to pay a tax, a Medicaid tax, which, by the way, employers are paying already, I believe. I mean, you know, we, as an employer, I match Social Security taxes. I'm not right. sure if I'm, maxing, if I'm matching Medicare taxes, but I think I am. But in any case, you know, that's FICA, you know, there's the, the whole patch, right. that whole bundle, that those employers will pay a basically a head tax that will be that will go into the fund for Medicare for all. The, the pushback against that is that this is another incentive to employers to say, okay, um, all of my full-time employees are suddenly going to go to 29 hours a week, and I'm going to hire a few extra part-timers, and nobody's going to get benefits. But that's already been done. I mean, that that, that okay. goes back to a law in the, I think it was part of the Great Society. I might be wrong. Um, right. I, want to well, make, I want to make sure I understand this correctly, though, that you're mixing employer-employee-paid benefits with society's responsibility to care for there's people that can't take care of themselves. Well, it's just, it's just a way of extracting money from corporations. I mean, you know, during the Eisenhower administration, corporations paid 30% of the total cost of the federal government. That's how high corporate taxes were. Right now, they pay 6%. So this is saying the employers are going to go back to paying eight or nine or 10 percent, something like that. Exactly. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to say as an employer, you have to pay these taxes based on your full time employees. And, uh, you know, so, you know, we'll see where it goes. Joe, thank you very much for the call. Breaking news. I finally found a topic everyone can agree on. No matter what party you support, the ideas you believe in or opinions you may have, we can all agree on the fact that aging stinks. Under eye bags, fine lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, no one can escape it. Luckily, I found just the product to help. It's called Plexiderm Rapid Reduction Serum, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates all your key signs of aging. And the best part is it works in minutes. Now that's newsworthy. No bias here. Plexiderm works. I tried it, and you should too. No invasive surgeries, no complications, and the best part is no one has to know you're wearing it. Uh, I look just like me, only 10 years younger. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M, for 50% off plus an additional 10 bucks off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code TOM, T-H-O-M. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today and use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com, code TOM. 
So I guess the, uh, welcome back, by the way, I, I guess the bottom line question that we all need to be asking is, do we all as a society, as a country, want to continue being literally the only developed country in the world that pays roughly 20 to 25% of all of our healthcare expenses to cover profits for shareholders and executives. The 20 to 25% is skimmed off the top for shareholders and executives. Do we also, with regard to healthcare specifically, want to, well, I guess that's specific also, want to continue to be the, the, the country that has the highest administrative costs? There's a hospital in Toronto that has roughly the same number of beds and the same number of floors as a hospital in New York. I forget the name of the hospital in Toronto, the one in New York. I think the example was the Albert Einstein Hospital. The one in New York has an entire floor with, uh, you know, well over 100 employees devoted to billing because there's all these different health insurance companies with all these different rules and you got to get pre blah blah The hospital in Toronto has two employees and one desk that do the billing. Far more efficient. What do we want to do? Tom in Frederick, Maryland. Hey, Tom, what's on your mind today? Yeah, I was calling about your health care debate. Mm -hmm. I spent four years in the UK. I was on the National Health Service. I really like it. And ever since I got home, my bumper sticker is there's a conflict between capital and care. Right. And, and you see it every day. It underlines everything you've talked about today. Yeah. Well, thank and, you. For that. Uh, Go ahead. It, I was going to say, that's something that Bernie or Warren, who I prefer, but whomever could hammer. Yeah. You know, take that home to people. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And thank you for sharing your, your experience living in the United Kingdom with us. Bill in Garner, Iowa. Hey, Bill, you wanted to talk about health care? Yes, yes. I wanted to call about how complicated, you know, getting any kind of insurance is and more. You don't know if you're going to get the right plan at all, and you're wondering if, Later on, you know, like if you got the right one. Right. And also, you know, like when you're working at a factory, and then they'll uh, probably give you a small raise. Then here a month later, they'll take it away because uh, rates went up on uh, on your health insurance. And you don't know if you're getting a very good plan uh, there either. But I'm, I'm just uh, concerned about all the complications with it. You know, just getting any kind of an insurance policy at all. Right. Well, once you've got and Medicare for all, pretty much everybody in the country will understand what the benefit package is because it'll be what everybody absolutely. has. Absolutely. So it won't be confusing. I mean, right now you've got you've got to look through all these things and, you, and, and you're always on the search for weasel words in the contracts. Right. Um, and, and, and I mean, this is happening right now on TV. They're saying, you know, oh, you can buy privatized Medicare, Medicare Advantage plans that will cover dental and vision. And then you get into your dentist and he's like, well, actually, it doesn't cover this. I mean, it might cover, you know, cleaning your teeth or something. Something, uh, you know, or you know, there, there's always these these holes, these exceptions, these gotchas, and uh, we just need to get get rid of all that stuff. Uh, you know, well said. Thank you, Bill. Uh, Ruth in San Bernardino in the San Bernardino Mountains in California. Hey, Ruth, what's up? Thank hey, you. Tom. I have. I'm very frustrated about the whole health care issue. To me, it seems like it's a no-brainer. I actually lived in London a couple of decades ago, and it worked very, very well, the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. I mean, what is the problem? Why are people, this fear-mongering, is it the fear that's stopping, you know, people that could benefit from it, from, you know, embracing it or thinking it might be something actually good? I just can't understand why the hesitation. 
Healthcare in the United States is a trillion dollar plus industry. It might even be over a two trillion dollar industry. And and with those kind of dollars involved, there are literally hundreds of billions of dollars, or probably at the bottom end, $100 billion, in profits at stake. So using some of that profit to, to buy space on the media, to fund think tanks that come out with papers, to fund trolls who will trash uh, Medicare for All and Bernie or Elizabeth on, on Twitter and on Facebook and in other venues, um, you know, all of those things are just, you know, common sense business, I guess, if you put if you put the profit of your company ahead of any sense of morality or obligation, you know, ethical obligation to the rest of your society. I think that's just really I the bottom line. Don't you have a see through that? I, you know, no, unfortunately. And, you know, when a politician comes out and says, oh, no, you know, if Medicare for all is going to be a terrible thing, you know, people believe it, you know, and they, and they may not realize that that politician is taking money from the health insurance industry or from executives in the health insurance industry. And it's a real tragedy. Ruth, uh, thank you for the call. Dale in Nebraska. Hey, Dale, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching Free Speech TV. Yeah, great show. And I want to commend you for trying to explain Medicare to these people. Just a quick personal story. Mm -hmm. Once I got on Medicare, thank God, I went in and had double knee replacement at the same time. And by the time all was done and, and everything with the charges, it was well over 110000 And, uh, of course, I had a Plan F Medicare supplement at the time. But uh, I don't think I paid more than $30 all told, and that included my uh, opioids to control the pain from the surgery. Right. And so when I hear these people demonizing Medicare and talking about it like government, I never ever had to ask government for anything. They just paid the bills. Right. And Medicare Advantage is Medicare Disadvantage. The reason, another real quick story is I had a close friend years ago that when Medicare Advantage first came out, he was an accountant. And he sold insurance, and he thought the Medicare Advantage was such a terrific plan that he converted a lot of his existing clients off of Medicare onto the Medicare Advantage. Right. Well, apparently, some of them must have had some major claims that did not get paid, and suits were brought against him by some of those individuals to the point that uh, he filed for bankruptcy and actually died fairly young. And I think a lot of his death was due to the pressure brought on by the lawsuit, but it, it literally wiped him out. So there's your disadvantage plan. That's And also, Wilbur, Wilbur Ross is a crook. Yeah. Look into the bank of Cyprus. Well, Fortune Magazine that. called him a grifter. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Fortune well, Magazine. When exactly. Fortune Magazine calls you a grifter, you're probably a grifter. Uh, you yeah, know, if you're a billionaire, I mean, Fortune Magazine lives to serve the billionaire class, and and you know, they just explicitly said, you know, yeah, Wilbur Ross, he's a grifter. Dale, thanks for that. Well, Thank, I, I appreciate that, and 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 your and your stories. It's very kind of you, Dave in Goodman, Wisconsin. Hey, Dave, what's up? What's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I just wanted to point out Michael Moore did it said it very well in the movie. Uh, uh, worst we invade next. Right. Uh, he talked about uh, made a whole list of things that you know they pay slightly more tax than we do, but all those things we pay out of our own pocket. Right. You know, healthcare included. And but there are so many things that we don't. They don't call taxes here. 
but really, they are taxes, so we're paying for them. Anyway, um, I, get, I have Medicare, and I'm perfectly happy with it. Uh, and uh, I, I've got a question for you. You're an employer. Um, when you uh, offer health care to your employees, that's part of their compensation, which is part of their wages, correct? Well, we don't call it part of their wages, and I'm not even sure that, that my employees know exactly how much we pay for it. I, I would have no problem telling them. I don't think of it that way. I think of that as my social obligation, essentially. But a lot of employers offer that as, as an incentive, you know, and I would think that without having to pay that, now there might, there might be some cost involved, but couldn't they raise their wages slightly? Yeah, you could. Uh, you know, and if, if your health care costs go down, you would have more money available that you could use to give people pay raises. And that's another selling point for Medicare for All. Well, there's Dave, your tax. There you go. Dave, thanks yeah. for the call. Good to hear from you. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Doug in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. Hey, Doug, uh, it looks to me like you're about to make a really big point about the benefits of single payer or Medicare for all. Go well, for thanks, it. Tom. I appreciate that. Something that hasn't been mentioned yet, and maybe you could give me an idea of a percentage, but we could do away with uh, workman's comp insurance. That wouldn't be necessary anymore. And I'm assuming that's a good chunk of my so-called wages or expenses as an employee. And also my car insurance I have to pay for uh, liability for other people if I hurt them. I, that would lower my car insurance also, wouldn't it? Yes, and as an employer, uh, you know, we also have to have workman's compensation insurance. So if somebody's injured on the job, and even in a place like this, an office environment, you know, somebody could get injured lifting a heavy box or something like that. Um, all of those uh, additional expenses of being an employer or an employee go away. So you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, uh, that's if a, there was gun violence, it would be covered also. I mean, these people that are uh, getting shot in our schools or on our streets, they would be covered also. Yes, yes. Every, so, every, everybody, although we, <laughs> we need to do something about the gun violence problem, but yes, yeah, spot right. on. Uh, Doug, thank yeah. you very much for the call. Well said. Richard on Vashon Island, Washington. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind today? Hey, thanks for taking the call, Tom. Sure. Um, kind of following up on what Paul said in relation to Medicare about the trillions of dollars, $4 trillion. What a uh, sales pitch I think that would be good for um, people uh, would be to say that, hey, here's the total cost of our medical coverage in the United States per capita, divided by how many people there are. Right, versus, that's $4 trillion is, what uh, that, you know, using, using Paul's numbers. Right, divided by $300 million or $325 million or something. Right. Right. And then compare that to what it would cost if it was Medicare for all. So that when so when they say, oh, your taxes are going to go up and this and that, someone can say, look, it's costing you twenty thousand dollars a year now per person. It could cost you ten thousand dollars a year per person and get more coverage. Right, and that's just and comparing the United States to Canada, where we spend an average of a little over ten thousand dollars per person, and Canada spends an average of a little over five thousand dollars a person. Right, so. and just sidestep the issue of like, well, your taxes are going to go up. Listen, it's going to cost less for all of us. That, and then we all get coverage. It's less per person. And I right. think that's the way a good sales pitch to go at it. Yeah, I Tom, agree. thanks for all the work you do. I appreciate it. And uh, enjoy this great dry uh, November we're having. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, it is beautiful up here. Although it's getting a little cold. Vince in Hampton, Virginia. Hey, Vince, what's up? Yes, I was 
about branding again. You know, uh, we're so bad at branding. Like Hillary, when she ran, she, she had so many different slogans, like Stronger Together, I'm With Her, Fighting For Us, Love Trump. Say, right. we, we, need to, we need to brand the scandal in Ukraine the perfect call. I tell, I tell liberals this, and they bounce right by it and never mention it again. We, this is what makes Trump so powerful. I think we need to brand, brand it as a bribery, yeah, bribery extortion great. scheme to to flip the 2020 election, because that's what it was. I mean, too, you know, let's not, let's not use something that's meta to the event. Yeah, it's, it's, too, it's too complex. you got to make it simple. You, you know, build that wall. The perfect call. This it was the perfect call. The perfect call is what's going to bring the Orange King down and yeah. all his patriots. Well, I we got to start know, branding. I get branding, and I, you know, and I understand what you're saying, Vince. And you know, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe that's the way to do it. Chuck in West Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Chuck, what's up? Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I feel like calling it a tax out of the box is a big mistake. I think it needs to be branded as a contribution or maybe like we talk about healthcare premiums. Um, and we could say it can be paid at the same time as your taxes or in the same way your taxes are collected, but it's a contribution. It's, it's not a tax. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, perhaps using different language, I get it. And I think that that's sort of what uh, Elizabeth Warren has been trying to do. Chuck, thank you. Uh, John in Bellevue, Washington. Hey, John, what's up? Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. It's a privilege to talk to you again. Thank you. Back at so, you. I have a question. Um, right now, I'm on Medicare, and I pay a premium to Medicare out of my Social Security check each month. Correct. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. And can you help me understand if the plans that Warren and Sanders are offering are actually going to be free, or are they going to be charging us premiums like we're paying now? Well, the, the simple reality is, John, that uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren can talk all day long and print thousands of plans and, and you know, get consensus and argument and all kinds of stuff. But we really don't know what we're going to end up with until it begins moving through the sausage factory, through the legislature. Well, here's the thing. What I believe is that if they explained the plan and said, well, you're going to pay a premium. For example, people making over 500000 a year are going to pay $300 a month. Right. And people making over 100000 a year are going to make 200 This is what they do in most Canadian provinces. In, in, in at least so, one province, it's completely free. I, I know, you know, we've had callers talk about it. In another province, you know, it averages around 100 bucks, you know, per month per family. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, that's the negotiable stuff. Well, that may well be part of their plans, and I'm just not well-informed enough to be able to answer your question, John. But I think yeah. that we're going to have to end up with something like that, where you know everybody is contributing something out of their own pocket, but not a great deal, A, and B, that it be means-tested, so the people may, making under a certain amount of money are paying essentially nothing. John, thank you for your, for your call. It's great to hear from you, and thank you all for being with us today. Um, you know, what a day. We'll be back same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Share with your friends how they can find progressive media. Get out there, get active, tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.